Brian, how are you tonight doing? About yourself? I'm here. See ya. I'm good. I can hear some cracked ribs, but oh, been there, done that. Is it muted on it? Yes. Okay, no, 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 I can hear you fine. You can hear us or you can hear Christy. That's also I can, I can hear, hear you guys now. I can hear both of you.
I can hear you. Okay. Please let us know if you need us to speak louder. Okay. I'm just going to move the owl over here. How long is that? Yeah. A week's pregnancy child. You bet on it. Resign. Yeah, and then Ms. Meeting of the Route County Board of Adjustments to order. I think Sarah's going to do a roll call. All right, Gerald Albers. Here. Brian Carroll. Here. John Crowan. Here. Kathy Lewis. Joel West. Here. Nick Ball. Here. Okay, uh, I guess we have a few housekeeping uh, announcements because we have a Zoom meeting going on. So I'll read these. Uh, in addition to the normal public uh, notice procedure, adjoining property owners, newspaper legal notice, and posting of the physical site, Zoom video conference conferencing contact information was published on the Route County website meeting agendas, and Facebook. Uh, meeting is also available by telephone. Call into Zoom for those who do not have access to a computer or smartphone. Have we had any requests for that? No, not, no requests by phone. Okay. Uh, note that it's important that all commissioners, staff, Petitioners and public microphones be muted unless you're speaking. Uh, those wishing to speak, please raise your hand so Sarah can keep track of those who wish to speak and call upon them to do so. For those who are attending, well, I guess we don't have anybody without video, so that's incidental contact. Those part, we don't have any phone people, so that's not important. 
So those participating via computer or smartphone with video can raise their hand by putting their cursor on their picture or square with no video and near the top where there are three dot options here. One of them is raise hand. Okay, so, uh, so we have our staffs here, uh, petitioner and, and well, I guess there's no representatives. Petitioners are here and we have no public attendees so we can go forward. Uh, I don't have any public comment on any other items uh, with no one in attendance. Okay, uh, we don't have the minutes, but we do those in our next meeting. Yeah, we'll do the so we'll set aside approval of the minutes and uh, and we'll deal with that uh, in our next meeting, whatever that may be. Uh, we have the, cons uh, the consent agenda, which is the Sunshine Resolution, is adopted on an annual basis and it regulates the required public notice posting locations for Board of Adjustment hearings. Oh, sorry, you guys did that in January. Sorry. I left oh, that. we already did that. Yeah, that's already that. Okay. Sorry, that's I actually already, left that. That's no problem. Yeah, I was going to say, boy, that sounds familiar. You know. Okay. So uh, tonight we have one uh, uh, item for consideration. Uh, so we would ask the petitioners to present their application, and uh, we'll hold our questions until later. Yeah, no worries. Do you want to do a sound check? See if uh, can, can, you, can you guys hear him? Maybe I'll just talk a little bit so I can see if that's going to be loud enough. Say, Nate, can you hear him? Okay, Joel, can you yep. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay. All right. Well, my name is Rusty Barron. I am one of the property owners along with Tom Townsend. Uh, so we're here tonight to uh, uh, go through our application with you. I know that uh, you already have a staff report, <clears throat> and then for those that are here, I've already passed out the presentation we're going to go through, so you'll have it in front of you if it's kind of hard to see what's on the screen. I took a lot of pictures to help tell the story, so don't be overwhelmed by the number of slides that we'll be going through, because a lot of it is pictures to help tell the story. So maybe if we could advance. So we'll just start off with, again, <clears throat> um, myself, along with my wife, Christy Barron, and then Tom and his wife, uh, Dana Townsend, own the property. So we've owned it since 2006. It was unapproved property when we purchased it. So you can I'll get you to go on. Some of these will be fairly quick. So just to kind of orientate everyone to where the property is, um, it's north of Steamboat Lake off of 129, actually across from Columbine, Forest Road 490. And then we are off of Forest Road 490. So if that helps you get oriented to where the property is located. This gives you, although it's not uh, super clear in this particular shot, it just gives you a, a, a view of the shape of the property. It's the red outline there. We have 15 acres on the south side of 490, 35 on the north side of 490. And then just again, another view to help. And this is, uh, we actually have, thank you, Tegan, she made copies, I think, that those that are here have in front of you. Also in the back of your book, I made a copy of it as well. I think she's got you on there on the table. Um, but again, another view, it shows you, this is the blue outline of the property. 
and you can see Forest Road 490 is there. We'll use this map quite a bit tonight to kind of talk about it. Uh, just a little bit of orientation. You can see Forest Road 490 cuts through, and I shaded the 80-foot setback uh, that we'll be talking about tonight. The red box in the center of that is the existing uh, uh, storage buildings under construction when we started this, and I'll go into that more detail. Our cabin is up on the 35-acre. You can see the dotted line going between the cabin and the barn. So again, we'll be talking about those tonight as we go through. I just want to give you a little bit of orientation about this, and we'll keep referring back to this. All right, so taking we go through. So uh, again, we purchased the property in 2006, and we permitted uh, the, uh, the cabin in the barn. And we'll maybe have a further discussion about that when we get to the barn. I think tonight's plan, there's two requests for variances, one on the storage building, one on the barn. So I think we'll divide them that way, same way that you did in the staff report. Uh, but this is a view of the cabin. Um, the cabin it did we did complete it in 2018. The reason for that is you know we did the construction uh, largely ourselves. So you know the building season is quite short up there. And um, yeah, so we're quite proud of, of what the end result was. So that's a cabin, and if you flip one more to again, so this is the view of the barn. Okay. Um, and maybe go one more. What we've learned, obviously, by being up there is winter access can be quite challenging. Uh, some winters more difficult than others, uh, but that is a view, I think that was, uh, I don't remember if that was 18 or 19 this picture, but that's a cabin uh, in, the, in the winter. The top right photo is just what combine, I'm sorry, 490 looks like uh, during that same period of time. And what we discovered is really to have full access to the property, we are gonna need we tried a bunch of different methods, but you're going to need snow removal, snow machines, and we purchased a snow cap to be able to access the cap, which will come into play a little bit later as we talk about it. So if we could go one more. So again, in 2019, um, after we completed construction of the cabin, we realized to have full access to the property, we're going to need to have uh, the snow cap. And the snow cap and snow removal equipment close to 490, 490 right now, uh, is plow private. And so for us to continue that plowing, the machines and everything have to be close to 490. So we started this in, in 2019, thinking if you go one more, we started construction of a garage, store building, whatever you might want to call it, next to 490 um, to house our uh, snow machines and, and our snow cap. So go one more, Tegan. And this is, if you went up there, except has a, a lot more snow on it today. This is kind of where we got in the construction whenever Tegan and uh, Todd Carr from the building department contacted us and said, hey, we need to have a conversation. Um, so, so really, um, if you go one more, Tegan. You know, that started the conversation that we had with the county. And from that time, late 2020 through 2021, we had a lot of conversations among ourselves. And what I would kind of point out, and I think I think on page 28 uh, of the staff report, Tegan included my original letter back to Tegan, you know, indicating our position on it, which has to do a lot with Forest Road 490. Because um, as I talked to Todd, he was indicating, yes, we do need to get a permit for the, for the, uh, the storage building. We didn't initially seek a permit because we thought it was a considered an ag, agricultural bar, just like we did the first time. 
Uh, but regardless of that, it was more of a planning issue first. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, and I guess to kind of give you a preview, and my summary would be, is that I think the county's view is Forest Road 490 is considered like any other normal county public road. And it's subject to an 80 foot setback on either side. Our view would be Forest Road 490 is anything but a normal public county road. And, and that's what I wanna really kind of talk through tonight and show you kind of why we think that and, and make a proposal for our various modification. So maybe we can go to the next slide. Let's really talk about the Forest Road 490. Um, maybe as, as I'll ask members, are you guys familiar? Have you been up on Forest Road 490 before? I have not. Okay. Well, this will be a, a very useful conversation. It is um, first, I guess, the history of it. And I've got a copy of the easement uh, shown here on the screen. I know it's very hard to read. I did a, a enlarged copy at the back of the packet that I've given you right in front of the map. But essentially, it is a 20-foot wide easement granted by the Carbon County Sheep and Cattle Company back in 1955, so predecessors to us owning the property. And at that time, they, um, what I've kind of highlighted there, they granted to the Forest Service a 20-foot wide strip, an easement. And it actually spells it out that the said right-of-way is for the use of a truck trail by, by the grantee the Forest Service, its officers, its agents, its employees, and the public general. So that's what you know the, the, the easement was, a 20-foot wide strip of land across private land. And even if you were to drive up there, what you would see is the middle picture is this sign that has been there well, certainly as long as, as we've been counting there, that actually spells it out, that when you enter off of 129 onto Forest Road 490, there's a sign that's placed there that says public right of way across private land. Please respect, or it says respect private property rights and stay on the road. And it's a narrow, rough road. It is a four wheel drive road. And even though the easement is 20 foot, I would say it's probably more of a 10 foot wide road that people use. Um, I think you'll also notice in page two of Tegan's uh, county staff report, I know the Forest Service was asked about it and they said it is a right-of-way easement for the use as a truck trail road. And again, that's in the easement, that's what it's called out as, a truck trail. And it's also uh, noted that the Forest Service indicated it was open year round, but you can see the sign on the lower right there is a road close sign. We've had a lot of conversation about, you know, that road's close sign being there. It's still up there today, so it's been closed all winter. Um, I think the county's position would be is that that sign was put up by private landowners. And again, we go back to the original conversation about the county's position that County Road or Forest Road 490 is a normal route county public road. I can't imagine that a normal county public road would be allowed to be closed by private landowners. So, so Forest Road 490 is an important part of the story. So if we could go to the next one, Tegan, and we'll come back to this as we go through. But essentially tonight, what we're here to ask for is a variance. Um, 
where normally it would be 80 foot setback for the road. We're asking for that to be 35 feet. And additionally, separate from this, we'll talk about the variance for, for the bond. So that's what we're here tonight. So Deegan, if we could go to this, my understanding is by going through this process, uh, it's pretty clear that it's spelled out, you know, what it takes to be granted variance. And I think it's this, uh, you know, section 3.4.6, A1 through A5. And so what I'm gonna try to walk you through tonight is why we feel that in each one of these categories, we can demonstrate why we think that we do satisfy this and the variance could be granted. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, this first one is A1. It's, in our opinion, unnecessary and unreasonable hardship that we'd be facing to have to go with any foot setback. Um, first thing I'll point out again, it's a privately maintained road. Um, maybe it's just as good, I'll have a conversation now. When we first bought the property, I went to Forest Service and it was in really bad shape. And we talked about, hey, can we get the road maintained and approved? And they said, we're not gonna maintain it. It is a private road. Uh, there's an easement, 20 foot wide easement. We have no intentions of maintaining it. And there is no intention to change it from a four wheel drive road. So if the property owners want to maintain it, then that's what will have to happen. Uh, and I'll talk about it later, but again, I'll mention it now, we did just that. So I contacted the joining property owners up there and we invested our own dollars and we spent about $11,000 in 2007 improving the road to what it is today. Um, so, so with that being privately maintained, we also need to, to plow it. Uh, or at least to be able to get snow machines to, to access our property. And that's going to put that machine equipment close to Forest Road 490. Um, we also feel it's an unreasonable hardship that if you think about what happened in 1955, it was essentially a generous gift by someone to give to the Forest Service to allow their trucks to access the forest from 129 into the forest. And, and I think that, you know, if you think about that, that grant, now what we're asking is the property owners to have essentially 160 feet of our property no longer able to be used for what we need to be to access property. Also feel that it's unnecessary and unreasonable to if we have to meet the setback, um, the trees you see behind this building uh, are going to have to be removed. And you can see that also in the map, the, uh, the map in front of you shows how far we have to move back. And while I know that in Tegan's report, it talks about those trees may be inconsequential to remove those trees, I will tell you that, I mean, we only have 50 acres up there. We've lost a lot of trees to be able to build. So any healthy tree, a live tree is a good tree. And I don't think removing those trees is the right thing to do. I feel like it's a hardship for us to be able to have to do that, just to move that building back another foot away. Um, Maybe lastly, I'll just kind of comment that I know that in the staff report on page three, it talks about any structure and the agricultural core zone, you know, has to have this 80 foot setback and it talks about the reasons why. The first reason is the road maintenance. Well, we kind of talked about it. This is privately maintained. Another reason for the 80 foot setback in normal public roads would be maintain proper sight line distances. Well, this is a four-wheel drive road. I would argue that there's no way you're going over 10 miles an hour, maybe 15 times, probably more like five. 
And the last point why the county indicates that you have these 80 foot setbacks is to protect the visual amenities. Um, and in this particular case, we would actually be doing the opposite. We're gonna remove trees to put that same building further back. And if you go to this next slide, Tegan, it'll actually show, this is a blown up of that map. So again, upper left, you can see where uh, the building is placed right now, the 80 foot setback, and then where you have to kind of come off that. Try to blow it up and give you a feel for it in this area, but you saw that we have a photo as well. So that's what we're talking about. Now continue to go through. Uh, the next one is A2. And I think if we talk about the circumstances that created the hardship when they were in existence, it really comes back to, again, the easement that was granted in 1955. Um, <clears throat> I kind of talked this already about uh, the fact that we had the conversation with the Forest Service. They don't have any intentions of maintaining or improving that road. Um, and as a matter of fact, in my conversation with the Forest Service, I don't believe it was ever even mentioned anything about a county road and referring me to the county. It was always just talking to the Forest Service. Um, yeah, and again, I've kind of stated the only effective way to access our property fully in the winter is through having snowcat snow machines to do that. Um, and as I looked at uh, the staff report, I think the, the argument against this is that all of the parcels zoned in the agricultural forest in Route County are required to be gated from setback. Um, I would just again comment that I don't believe this is a typical road in Route County and deserves this attention we're giving it tonight. Continuing through, A3, if you go to the next one, Tegan, thank you. Um, we do believe our property is unique from others in Route County, and I'll kind of talk through that a little bit. Uh, one, I think it's fairly unique that this Forest Road 490 bisects our property, um, which, again, I think the 20-foot easement turns into, which was given, into a 160-foot kind of uh, area, which we're not allowed to use where we need to use it. Uh, in this very narrow spot of our land. Uh, it's not a typical residential road, um, and it's, you know, you're not gonna need it for snow storage, this 80 foot setback. Uh, it's not anticipated this road is to be widened any point in the future. As a matter of fact, in a minute, I'm gonna show you some pictures that uh, our adjacent property has building 45 feet from the center line of the road, and then another structure, which is a barn, 15 feet from the center line of the road. Uh, so it's very common to have these buildings close to the road up there. And, and I don't think it's, uh, it's uncommon at all. I already kind of talked this uh, second to last bullet about the Forest Service indicating that uh, there is no plan to change this from a four-wheel drive trail uh, that it was intended to be. <coughs> Again, I've talked through the fact that we are privately maintaining it and we're doing that with the help of our neighbors as well. Um, and again, I'll just kind of point to the staff report talks about this property doesn't possess any characteristics uh, that are exceptionally different than any other. And I would argue different. We go to the next slide, it'll show you pictures of the property that's adjacent to us. So they have a caretaker uh, building, which is about 45 feet from the center line road, and then their barn is 15 feet from the center line road. And that's the property directly to the west of us. See on the map as well. 
I will move on into A4. Um, the building, this justification will, you know, the building will not negatively impact the area. Um, if granted, this uh, would be consistent with what you find along Forest Road 490. I've talked about the adjacent buildings that are close. Um, the thing that is probably unique is the picture you see in the middle and I showed it to you previously. We started in this particular building with two 40-foot metal containers. We did that for the reason that we've also learned up there that when you build in the forest, you're going to have mice and other things come in. And if you have saddles or whatever you might have, it's very difficult to keep those in the condition they could be. So we learned that airtight containers would be the best choice as well as structurally, uh, they work really well. So it will have a wood-sided look to it, just like our barn does, uh, but we didn't get to that point. And I think that, um, I think in Tegan's report, it talks about, this came about through a complaint that once we had a conversation with the complaint and tried to explain what our intents were, uh, she understood and she is supporting the project now, which is, uh, well, I don't think we got a letter from her, but I know we had a conversation with her and she's not here now, you know, complaining about it. So I think it was a misunderstanding on, on our part, her part, what it was going to look like. Um, I did contact our other adjacent neighbors, and I think you guys do have the support that we received from three other adjacent neighbors, uh, one from the south and the north, uh, Mark Beagley, from the east and the south, uh, Dan and Ann Heflin, and on the west, Gary Dunn. So the last category is it's consistent with the area's master plan. Um, we certainly do feel it's consistent with the Ag Forestry Master Plan, and I think the county comments would agree with that as well. So if I go one more. So as I look back at the criteria, for approving a variance, uh, I think about the five criteria that have to be met. I tried to highlight and underline the areas in which we do feel that it has met it um, and try to offer those up is our point of view. And if you go to the next slide, I know that in Tegan's report, I say Tegan, I mean the county's report, really, um, I think that there is a, a finding that they uh, do not find and they gave their reasons why, but I think if it's approved, the board has to come up with your reasons why. So I took the liberty of providing you with the things we just talked about of how we fit into the findings that are required for you to give a variance. And I think in every, in every case, we have talked through those, uh, but I've given it to you in writing in front of you as well. So maybe I will, Pause. I'll ask you, Tegan, what's the best way to do it? We want to see if there's questions about this before we go to the barn. Very good question. How does the board feel about do we want to deal with this one at a time? Please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, how about the folks on Zoom? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. One, one at a time. All right. Okay. Good with you, Joella. Yes, it is. Okay, great. Okay. We'll proceed that way then. We'll deal with them one at a time. Is there not any comments about this particular request then? Yeah, why don't, why don't we'll you go around the table? Do you have anything else? Before uh, we... On this one, I'm going to do, I'll continue with the barn conversation, but that's why I know if you want to continue and then sit down and let you guys discuss them one at a time at that point, or how would you like me to proceed? We'll ask questions. 
Yeah, we'll, right. we'll about we'll, this. We'll deal with this one. Okay. 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 No, why don't I think we'll go to staff next. Okay. Um, mine's a little bit hard to read, so, uh, but I'll just specifically make some comments. Structure. 
we'll just go to the picture of so um it's you know quite close to the center of that roadway um additionally from a staff perspective this parcel is not particularly unique it's the topography um board and access to other parcels in the agricultural forestry subdistrict um, and it's a similar climate to other parcels in the agricultural forestry subdistrict that are also encumbered in this setback so although we're sympathetic to the access concerns other parcels in this zone district that are subject to these same weather conditions are required to meet that environmental setback as well so we really struggled with trying to find a way that this request would be meeting um, the, the third criteria that this parcel possesses some sort of exceptional characteristic. It's larger than the typical AF zone parcel, it's 50 acres instead of 35. Um, it has some areas of you know apparent steep topography. But nothing that really stands out to us as being that different. Um, additionally, this the second criteria, the circumstance being created um, through the fault of the applicant, had they approached us regarding building permitting, they would have been advised of this criteria or this um, regulation for the setback. So this was something that was was done although unintentionally by the applicant it was it was through their action that this structure is in this current location um, and then finally addressing specifically the first criteria for peculiar sexual practical difficulties or unnecessary or reasonable hardship um, you know moving the structure although is inconvenient is not something that we consider an unnecessary hardship um, removal of some of the trees on the parcel of that side is expected when there's any form of development. Um, and it's not a hardship. Other people that develop on their properties remove trees or they graze the ground or they make the site developable. Um, and this site doesn't have any characteristics that are truly barring development in compliant locations. So those are just speaking to my staff comments that I have in the report, um, and specifically some comments pertaining to the status of the road. So, any questions you have at this point? Anybody have a question of staff? I have a couple of questions. When did they start the construction on this? When was that started? 2019. Okay. So no permit would have been required in 2019. It wouldn't have been required. It would for an ag building. This is this is this, this is not an ag. Okay, building. so this, this isn't going to qualify under the ag exception. And so in 2019, in order to qualify for an agricultural exception, the structure can be used solely and exclusively for agriculture. Okay. Um, so any storage of any recreational vehicles. Um, okay. Any, you answer that question. Um, has since they bought the property, has anybody done any maintenance? On this road, other than that, the county, far not that I'm aware of, the county does not maintain this road. It's not owned by so the county. The county we know has done nothing. Yeah. And uh, I assume the forest service has done nothing. 
I, I'm not aware of them doing anything. They may or may not have any it, um, the Forest Service has done uh, log clearing on the road um, up towards uh, the Hans Peak uh, uh, hiking spot um, for rescue access and other stuff. So all they're doing is clearing then? Okay. Yep. Is that neat? Yeah. Okay. This 
structure, the subject structure. Yep. Yeah, so it's um, two Connex boxes with a, a wooden framed out structure on top of it. Does that make sense? I can show you a, um, a better picture of it. There's also oops. I mean, we, can, we can describe it. You know, you I have a picture yeah. of my computer. Um, the boxes. Yeah. What was the prior use of the boxes? I don't know. They were brand new shipping containers that uh, were sealed tight. And so the plan was all of that would be encompassed to look like our barn, which is a log cabin look. So we'd have roofs on either side. You see the main roof and all that metal, metal roof on it that matches on the other end of the cabin. So it was going to be completed. You would never see those, those uh, shipping containers. They were just the How did the containers get there? I'm sorry. How did the containers get there? Uh, we purchased them and had them shipped in. Platform. Yes. My next door neighbor, Don, built exactly the same structure on his property in 2020 and roofed it over. And it looks like the end of the barn in the area. He put on the siding and everything. So you can't see the containers anymore. And it is uh, pretty impressive, really. Well, for now, let's keep, uh, let's keep on task just with uh, questions to staff. And then we'll address some of these things directly. So, anything else? Okay. Uh, how about any, uh, any of our other members have questions? Okay. No. Nope. Uh, no questions. I have one other question. Did we at all seek any clarification from legal on whether this would qualify as a road? Yes. And what did they say? They supported the planning department position that this is in fact a public road. What? Where services are located? No, our legal. Your, yeah, the contract's office. Okay. Um, all right. I don't have any questions for uh, staff. So I guess we'll go forward now and uh, yeah, oh, I think she did. She said she said Do we have to ask for public comments? No, we have no public comments. There's some folks on Zoom, so maybe just Are check. Oh. Yeah, they, they look like they're all barren. But um <laughs> they they family is there watching, so Would I have the opportunity to maybe speak to some of those other questions? Oh, we're going to, you know, you're going to, we'll, we have, we'll bring our questions to you directly. Right. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, any members of the public that are out there on Zoom, uh, open this meeting to uh, questions from you or comments? Can you tell whether there are people out there that have been identified? Yeah, there's somebody 
Nobody's raising their hand. Okay. Do you need directions on how to raise your hand? Nobody's unmuted. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then we'll we'll proceed with the next uh, section here, and that will be uh, we'll ask uh, folks uh, if uh, any questions you have for them. I take it there is no foundation below the storage boxes. Just a love for you. To speak to that, so we brought in an impacted road base and then put uh, 24 inch uh, forts that kind of lost. It's not so a road base. base. I'm sorry, road base. Yeah, we brought in road base and compact, compacted it and then placed concrete blocks that we. Six feet support. There's so there is a foundation. They're sitting on that foundation. What is the what is the footprint of this structure? The footprint, the overall footprint of the buildings are eight by forty, and the breezeway between sixteen, so it'd be thirty-two by forty. Um, twelve hundred eighty square feet. I didn't know if you were doing the math on it. So yeah, twelve hundred eighty square feet. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, Joella, do you have any questions of uh, of everybody here? I don't have any questions. I will have some comments when there's time for that. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll do that shortly. Okay. How about me? Uh, no, I do not. All right. That being the case, um, we will now uh, close. Close. Yeah, the, yeah, just make one. Oh, I'm sorry. Sir. No, I'm just going to, you know, on the, on the permit issue, I just want to point that. I know we're going to talk about it on the bar, but it's relevant now. And that is that when we went in in 2006 and we brought our plans we submitted to the county, on our site plan, it showed clearly a barn and a cabin. Our understanding at that time was an agricultural barn didn't need a permit. We made the same assumption here that was we're not putting, there's no water, there's no electric. It's for the purposes we described. So we didn't seek the permit for that reason. It wasn't that we were doing it for any other reason. Yeah. Uh, the only other comment that I'll point out is that um, I know the Forest Service mentioned that it was open to all vehicles uh, all year round. But it is designated as a four wheel drive. So in the wintertime, it's really strong as always. Uh, you know, just to make sure everybody knows that they're not going to be correct. Yeah. I do have one question. What What's the plan for the structure on top? So, so all it was was basically a, we were putting uh, a, a little warming area basically. So there was no electricity or anything in the building. We were putting windows and indoor outdoor carpet and a place to put on snowmobiles so we did that kind of stuff. So it was just a storage. When you come to the property, you'll have to go up there and put all the stuff with those things to get the drive. But you do have power up there. So you no, no, power. no, we had never intended to have power. Oh. It was mainly, it was the breezeway stores the snowcats and the sides stored the snowmobiles. So then we were just using the upstairs for places to sit down, change the snowmobile. No, no. You know, I realized it's, 
going to cost money to move that thing. And uh, so I think we all have to consider that. We'll talk about that more during our discussion. Okay. Anything else? I would like to add one thing about the road. Um, I know, once again, it's called out that it's open year round. But beyond that building by about 50 feet, it's untravelable un except by snowmobiles. So open to snowmobiles, that's why we claim it. It's a trail. It's obviously not a road to travel. At high speeds, ever so, but certainly winter, there's other than getting past our driveway, there's no. How many uh, additional residences are beyond you? Um, well, I can speak to just beyond us. Uh, the, one of the people that supports mm -hmm. the project, Dan and Ann Kaplan, are up the road just to the left. There's a, a piece of property up the road to the right, they also support the project. They also own the same property on the other side of us. After that, I actually think that's where the private land stops. It turns into forest. Now, if you travel up that road quite a bit, you'll actually get to where there's other, these are all uh, original mining claims. And so you will have some additional mining claims further up there. But where we're talking about, and that's what Tom's speaking to, there's a group of property owners, and we are almost at the edge of that back to 120. Anything else before we close this section? Okay, we'll do that. And uh, so that will close the uh, public portion of this. And uh, we'll now start a discussion uh, amongst the board. And uh, we'll lead off, lead off with anything. No, no question. I can tell you that I'm having difficulty getting over. Circumstances created the hardship and created the subsequent investors. Nate? Yeah, um, yeah, um, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm having, I, I don't really foresee or, or I, I can't see a hardship. Um, I mean, it is what it is. Um, permitting was required. Um, the argument, I mean, not to bring up the dead horse I always bring up, but the argument about taking down trees was part of the North Route fire mitigation um, plan anyways. The trees should be cleared within 100, 200 feet of the structure anyways. Um, so for fire mitigation, that should be the case no matter what. So that's not really going to have an effect on that. Um, and you know the road. The road is heavily used in the summertime. You know, Hans Peak is a heavily hiked area. Um, there, you know, there's lots of jeepers, ATVers, everybody else that goes up there on a daily basis. So it is a heavily used road through there. Thank you. Well, anything? I'm following along with what Nate has said. We have a 36-acre property is the last one at the end of 42 if you're on your way from 62 up to California Park. You're actually off Forest Service Road 279, although that's not where the, where the address is. 
These are public roads. There's no question in my mind about it. As property owners, we complain a lot about whether it's maintained, whether it should be maintained, and who should maintain it. But there's no question that they're public roads. On the question of hardship, I come down right, right where Nate is. Um, and I, I just, I'm sorry that they have got this far with the project and that it will be very costly to bring it into compliance. I feel bad about that. But the fact that I feel bad doesn't mean it's an undue hardship. Thank you. Any other discussion? Okay. Um, I guess at this point, uh, we can uh, go ahead and uh, look for a motion. I move that the application be denied primarily because it was something that was created by uh, the applicant. the applicant had done its due diligence to determine how close to the road that structure is. Okay, do I have a second for that motion? I second. Okay, made a second it. Okay, ready for a vote. Uh, all in favor of uh, turning down this application, say aye. 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 Okay, it carries. And, uh, Are you also an item? And I would say aye also. Okay. Sorry about that. You should know that we are constricted in you know, what we can approve by state statute. And virtually identical copy part of the zoning resolution in the county. Which were otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we could have structured verbiage for A1 that would have met the criteria for this board. Okay. Let's we take a break for a minute. Yes, okay, let's take a little break and then we'll uh, listen to your second part.
Okay, Joella, Nate, are you ready to proceed? Yes. Yes. Everybody good to go? All righty. All right, so as our second uh, variance request is to use our existing barn as our secondary dwelling unit. Ken talked about this earlier, but in 2006, and again, I brought those county group plans where we had on the site plan the county the barn. And the barn was placed where it is because uh, the property is such that this is the area that was flat, um, that made the most sense for any kind of farm animal trailers to turn around and so forth. So the place where the barn was placed for that reason. Um, Maybe a little, a little history about, you know, well, I'll, I'll keep going. So um, the barn does have water and electricity. Uh, we do have a on-site water treatment permit, a septic permit. And we do have a bathroom in the structure. Um, you know, under the Route County zoning, properties of 50 acres are allowed that secondary dwelling with a 300 feet of primary residence. And our request tonight is since we, we do have plumbing electric there. Um, we'll talk about within 300 feet of the cabin, but we'd like to utilize the upper portion of the barn as our secondary dwelling unit, rather than uh, you know, have a consideration for building another unit on the property over where the primary residence barn is. So that's really the purpose of the, the discussion tonight. Um, so if we can go to the next one, same process, you guys are obviously very familiar with. So um, we'll just go right into A1. You know, the hardship. So I guess this is since I reflect back on our first conversation tonight, 
mean, yes, we did build this barn where it is. We built cattle where it is. So uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to change that. I think what we're looking at is, you know, building another structure on our property um, versus using the existing structure we have. Um, you know, I think that if you look at the existing structure of the primary residence, uh, it is flat where it is because 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago, that's where they did the plaster line. So that section of it is uh, is flat, and that's where we place the cabin. Any areas uh, around the cabin, other, you know, uh, we've got steep areas, we've got wetlands. It's not possible to build another unit within that 300 feet. So I know that uh, the staff planning uh, report does indicate that there is an area you can, I'm sorry, you can go to the next one. So I moved on, I forgot to ask you. Um, so, so what I'm trying to show here is the, um, you know, the uh, where the cabin's placed and each of those uh, contour lines are 40 feet. So you start to see the slope that's there. Um, the one area that I think the staff report talks about is in front of the cabin, where basically that is the vehicle turnaround. Uh, we also have our fuel deliveries up there. So uh, you couldn't place that unit in that particular spot. Uh, if you go to the next picture, it kind of gives you uh, a little better sense of that steepness. So again, each line represents a 40-foot drop. So from the top of the 300-foot allowance down to the bottom, it's a 120-feet drop. Uh, it drops down to, uh, there's a creek. I think it's a reference to Deer Creek. So there's wetlands down in that uh, the creek area as it kind of falls into it. I think the next slide actually shows you a picture. Um, although it was a beautiful sunset that night, I should show the picture because you can kind of see the fall. This picture was taken from the cabin. So you see the, uh, the steepness and you can see the wetlands down in the, uh, in the valley there where Deer Creek is located. Um, so, so the, the, uh, the terrain around the cabin doesn't really provide for a structure of 300 feet um, as, as called out by the earth uh, panels. So if we could go to, there's another picture of uh, Deer Creek. It is a year round flowing creek uh, down there. Just want to show you that. All right, A2, uh, justification for the variance, um, circumstances that create the hardship of existence. It goes back to again our conversation about when we built the barn, why we placed the barn where it was. Uh, the barn was never intended to, uh, to be used for secondary dwelling. In the beginning, it was an agricultural barn. We have three stalls in it, we bring horses in. Uh, but what we did find is, as we already talked about, we were building this project ourselves. And uh, if you're familiar with Telemine Cabins and Lyman and Dan were kind enough to let us use their bathhouse and such. We realized we really needed to have some type of, of uh, bathhouse over on our property. So we see, we went and got the septic permit and put a bath and shower in the barn and we lived in a, uh, an RV and we used the, the barn for that purpose. But again, as we are now completed with the barn, I'm sorry, completed with the cabin and starting to think about the use of the property, that makes the most sense rather than trying to entertain building yet another structure. I think, again, the, uh, uh, the staff's viewpoint was that there is a flat area in front of the cabin that's buildable. Uh, I would just argue that that's uh, utilized really for vehicle turnaround and that only flat area is steepness. 
We can go to the next one. Tegan, thank you. Um, the property is unique in the, the fact that uh, it is a very unusual shaped property. It's a very long property. Um, obviously, it has some, some things that are maybe across the county also seen as far as steep terrain. Um, but even when we went and uh, this was undeveloped property we first did it. So we went and got our water wells. I think even the Department of Natural Resources indicated that because of the uniqueness of the property, they issued two water well permits versus one. And we did the same thing with electric. We buried all electric up there at our expense. And the electric company did the same thing. They said, we're going to set you up separately and have two different accounts just because of the length of the property. Uh, I know that the county staff report indicates that there's not really any characteristics that make you unique. I would just argue that two other Colorado agencies felt differently. If you go to the next one, Tegan, A4, it will not negatively impact the area. Uh, of course, the, the building is there and it's been there since 2006. So um, I think the main thing is that we utilize that space and not build another separate unit uh, as a secondary uh, dwelling unit. Uh, this building is not visible from the road. It's not going to change the character of the neighborhood. Uh, and uh, we've kind of already talked about some of the buildings in the area and what the, the look of the barn is on the right. We go to the next one. Um, certainly feel that it is consistent with the area's master plan at 4th Street. Um, it is, you know, the use of a 50 acre property like ours is very consistent with what we're talking about. Uh, it is an area of a lot of sheep and cattle farming. Uh, which we do support. Uh, we've got a grazing lease with Neil Chu. Uh, he lets his cattle come up and graze across our properties as well as forest, I think, in that area. And I just showed these pictures just to reinforce again the quality of the buildings that we have on our properties. Uh, I think are certainly consistent with the Ag Forestry Master Plan. So uh, just kind of recapping back to A1 through A5, I did the same thing I did the first time, trying to indicate uh, in each case where we feel that we have met that. Um, and as we talked about before, we go to the next one, Tegan, where you have to come up with your, your resolution. Uh, and since we, we talked about the hardship maybe the first time, I'll just kind of read through this one, maybe a little more time. Uh, I think the topography of the property uh, does not provide for location for the of the primary existing residence. Uh, if we can utilize our existing barn as a secondary dwelling, it already has water electric, the uh, septic permit, it'll eliminate the construction of another building on our property, which is uh, we feel beneficial to the adjacent properties as well as the wildlife and the natural qualities of the area, reducing the number of structures constructed on the property. Um, and I'll leave the others there. So we, we kind of talked about each one of those. And that's it. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go to staff. Question staff at this point. Yeah, would you please? Okay. Um, 
So obviously you guys are already familiar with the parcel that we're talking about. Um, so specific to the secondary dwelling unit request, um, what I'm going to focus on is the area that surrounds the primary dwelling unit because that that 300 foot buffer um, or you know that 300 foot maximum distance zone that we're discussing. Um, so you guys have that site plan on the table if you are the folks that are at home and they have it in the packet. But that's specifically that dotted line uh, surrounding the primary dwelling unit is what we're focusing on. So I just want to show you some photos um, of the property. These were taken while approaching the uh, primary dwelling unit. The first photo on your left on the screen up there is taken um, before we went up the hill towards the house. The driveway kind of curves around to the west uh, and makes a you know big swoop before it goes up the hill. So that was kind of from down below, and we can see in the foreground there's that wetland that the applicants were referring to. So we recognize that that wetland is not an appropriate place to be building. Um, it's not conducive to construction, no optical building, and water bodies, water body setbacks, wetlands. Um, so we recognize that. The photo on the left, however, is approaching directly from the west. And what you can see there is some relatively flat ground. Um, there's area surrounding that primary dwelling unit that is appropriate for construction, um, which is really um, punctuated by the fact that they constructed a single family home up there already. So there isn't, you know, that to us indicates that there is construction ability up there. Um, our applicants did not provide us with a slope analysis. They were struggling to get surveyors to come to the site to do that work for them. Um, however, during a site inspection, although there were some areas of severe topography, there's areas that have not pre-tempered foot distance of the house that was not um, meeting that criteria. For some reason, my PowerPoint struggled again. Let me try this one more time. Um, Sorry. Um, so, and these again are photos around the parcel. So, the photo on the left is the area directly to the west of the cabin. So, we have some flat area there before it kind of drops off towards that wetland. Um, and then the photo on the right is directly adjacent to the west of the house. And then this is the area behind the house <coughs> towards the kind of southeast. So there's some flat area there as well. Um, from a staff perspective, reviewing those five criteria, we really um, struggled specifically again with those first three criteria. So is there some peculiar or exceptional practical difficulty in enforcing that regulation? Um, in our review, we thought that was not the case. Um, there's areas surrounding the house that is suitable for development, it is not the most convenient location. We absolutely recognize that. However, convenience is not a circumstance that we're looking at. Um, and specifically, the regulations call out that 
on various regulations or various uh, requests that cannot be reviewed by us based on personal convenience. So, although it's not convenient, there is multiple areas surrounding it. Um, secondly, the circumstances creating the hardship were created through no fault of the applicant. When they constructed this house and the barn, these regulations remained the same for them. That 300 foot distance was in place at that time already. Um, so, with that in mind, we elected to put the primary dwelling unit in this location, um, essentially making it a more difficult place to construct a secondary dwelling unit if that was their choice to do in the future. Um, so, although it would be more convenient to use the existing barn, again, that's not a criteria that we're reviewing that applications on. And then finally, um, is this parcel, does it possess some exceptional, um, you know, situation that makes construction particularly difficult? And we found it did not. In fact, this parcel is larger than the typical AF zone parcel that we see. So it's 50 acres versus that 35 acres. How it's currently being utilized with that secondary dwelling unit on the south 15 acres of the primary value on the north. 15 acres is essentially like two separate parcels. When in fact, this is one singular parcel with development potential of one parcel. Um, with the setup, having them you know, over 1,700 feet apart, you have impact areas for both of those residential units. Um, there's two driveways. There's you know, two areas of impact for people occupying this unit. So, from a staff perspective, the, the way that it's set up really acts like two separate parcels and the fact it has the development potential of one So those three criteria, again, were what we really struggled with trying to come up with uh, justification for, and that's why we recommended denial of this request as well. Thank you. Okay, questions of staff? Yep, one preliminary comment. Uh, we have recently looked at secondary dwelling that was outside the hundred foot area and I expressed my feelings about it then. I'll express them again. In particular, with this size parcel, I wish that the commissioners would revisit that radius requirement. Um, do you have a copy of the zoning resolution? I don't have it on me. I have it digitally, so I'm bring up the secondary dwelling rights. I do, okay. particularly the, the definition of the dwelling unit. Okay. Secondary dwelling unit is just not the primary element dwelling unit. It's not exactly what it says, but that's what it means. Yeah, so a dwelling unit is defined in our um, definitions section of the zoning regulations, and specifically, it's a structure that contains five components, and those are permanent provisions for eating, sleeping, living, food preparation, and sanitation. So a bathroom and kitchen, living, eating, sleeping space. Um, so let me bring those up. So cooking wood. Food preparation. So, okay. Um, and then I will also tell you that 
once you have 70 acres, you're bumped into the category of being able to, you know, you're bumped into the category of being able to have your secondary dwelling unit, first of all, be larger in the area, be up to 2,000 square feet in the area, and it can be located anywhere on your parcel. So these folks just don't have the lot area to be able to bump them up into that category um, in order to have the separation be larger. You're probably aware I'm going with the definition of um, If we were to turn down the application for the variance, it would be variance in distance from the main house with the secondary dwelling unit was located. That wouldn't require them to move the structure. They could eliminate one of the five aspects of the secondary dwelling unit and use the structure for the farm. And they could have any four of the five and still use uh, the structure for those purposes. Yeah. So, do, do, can, I, can I clarify what Don just said? Yeah. I I thought that you didn't have to eliminate anything. You just can't use it to house people. So what occurs is somebody enters into an agreement with the county. It's called a um, plumbing agreement, and that allows somebody to have a bathroom component or a kitchen. But that agreement specifically lays out what that structure is being used for based on what they're telling them. The thing that they cannot use it for is overnight occupation. So it's not permitted as a place that we can live or stay overnight. It produces overnight accommodation, much like if you had a garage, a detached garage, it's not permitted for occupancy. So you can't stay overnight there um, or a bar. So this structure was converted into a secondary dwelling unit, but was constructed under that agricultural exemption. So it would have to go through full building permitting to be a residence. Um, Let me press this a little bit. There are five categories yeah. that qualify a structure for residence. If any one of those five categories is missing, then it is no longer a dwelling. Yes, however, you, you can't occupy it overnight. Also, so it's used and it's white. Referring to the section of the zoning resolution that says we can't say it. So we have a different plumbing agreement section. Does that, the, the plumbing agreement is what allows you to have those components when we cannot approve it for occupancy. I have to tell you, I'm really puzzled now. Harkening back to our discussion with respect to secondary dwelling unit recently, I think I walked you through the same analysis. And I, I have difficulty with the concept that if it doesn't add one of those five aspects, 
how can it follow the next one? So this can remain, nobody can dwell inside of it though. It can, it can be a detached office. It can be a recreation area. Um, it can be a number of other accessory uses, but nobody can occupy it as a residence. Okay, point to That's in the building. Yeah. It's not in some so that is a decision that's made by the building official interpreting the international residential building code. Not so as relevant. Not not a not as not a zoning requirement. So in order to be able to dwell in a structure, it's got to be permitted as a dwelling as a And if you take one of those elements away, it's no longer it's no longer a dwelling unit, and it can't be used to to reside. So the place that I would find something that would make people staying overnight is where? It's in the building code. That's a catch-22. Huh? That's a catch-22. So if I build a structure and I don't have basic kitchen facilities, food facilities. It falls outside the definition of a dwelling. Now you're telling me that even though it falls outside the definition of a dwelling, by extension, a secondary dwelling, I have to get a permit in the construction of the Structure. You have to get a building permit for every single structure unless it meets the ag exemption. Even the ag exemption, you now need a permit. Yeah, that, which I'm is, building a barn and yeah. I, I got to get a permit. The, the ag exemption. Yeah, if it's over 600 feet, 600 square feet, I believe yeah. you need if a permit. If it's over 600 feet, then in that case, you only need a foundation. I still need a permit from yeah. the building department. You're right, but we're not looking at the, the actual structure. We're no. looking at the foundation. Where we are with this particular structure is that no building permit was applied for. And the applicant said that the reason they didn't apply for a building initially is they thought it was an agriculture use that was required. Which they were correct on. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. Okay. So what we're faced with, and I, I know that there are some gymnastics that would suggest that we go through with respect to an existing structure. This structure does exist. It looks to me as though it's a permanent structure. So the idea that you're going to move it. So not a very likely occurrence. So, what would be fine wrong? So, is this stick built? Yes. Yeah. I mean, moving it is one avenue to bring it into compliance. I got you. Another avenue is to not use it as a dwelling unit because it's not allowed to be used. Uh, pending your pending your decision. 
Hard by 20 more acres and qualified for your 78. Yeah, the large lot agreement option. It's 20 more acres. <laughs> So it's so for this request, part of it is the use of the structure, the use of having it as a dwelling unit. They can use this in its current existing form if they went through building permitting for many other uses aside from the dwelling unit. So what am I supposed to start? I've got a rule. Okay. Place where they come up a problem is. They haven't applied for a plumbing permit. So, therefore, the business of having staying overnight isn't discernible. No, so it's a plumbing agreement. That's what it's referred to as a plumbing agreement. So, that is the mechanism that we use for people that want plumbing in a structure that is not permitted as a dwelling unit. It's a clear recorded document with the applicant and the county. Saying that this structure was used as a day use recreation area, it was not reviewed or permitted for occupancy, and therefore it cannot be used for that. And that mechanism is used to help protect people when they're purchasing properties. So they don't buy a property and open the door to the detached garage and an apartment, and they think someone should live in there, but it was not constructed in, the, in compliance with the residential. Building code. It was constructed as a barn. It maybe doesn't have fire separations that are safe or other things that are important to keep someone safe sleeping in there. So part of this has to do with safety and permitting things properly if someone's living in them. Um, and the other part has to do with the zoning regulations and that separation allowed. So, the, so this whole structure would have to go through full residential building permitting, but they would have to get that plumbing agreement, which is just what we call the agreement to allow plumbing in a structure that's not a residence. To me, the way I see this, this part of the discussion is that in order to inhabit the structure, you have to get a certificate of occupancy and not get a certificate of occupancy if you haven't met all the criteria. So it's two different things. So in order to get a certificate that says you can occupy a structure, you have to jump through all the hoops with building codes, etc., to build a safe building that has all the amenities for, for living. So that's really, you know, they can't really do anything until they have a building permit to go forward. And obviously right now they can't get a building permit without variance. So that's where we're at. Well, they, they can't get a building permit if you're applying for a building structure that's already built. Well, they would have to if they wanted the certificate of occupancy. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I you know my background. <laughs> this one stacks. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Brian, if I may clarify, if because the use of the structure was converted, it's I don't have interior photos on here, but the interior of the upstairs is finished out. Um, because that's no longer solely and exclusively agriculturally used, it would be required to get a building permit retroactively. The building permit the building permit will require that for these folks, regardless of if you approve this or not, unless they decide to remove all those interior finishes um, and use it again solely and exclusively for agriculture. 
So it's the plumbing that creates the issue. Part of it is the plumbing and the use. If somebody builds something under that agricultural exemption and then they convert that use to something else without building permits, that's in violation of zoning regulations and the building permit code. Um, but specifically, the use that they're requesting or like having it as a dwelling unit requires this variance. Yeah. If it were uh, solely an agricultural use, no one staying overnight, then it would require a certificate of occupancy. Exactly. A certificate of occupancy only is issued for a structure that's permitted for occupancy for somebody to dwell in there. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Brian. Do you have anything for the staff? Uh, Joella, staff, questions? No questions. Thank you. Okay. Well, then we need have one yeah. No, I, I do not have any questions for staff. Thanks. Okay. Uh, my my only comment is one thing that would have really helped me in this case if we had had a nice Google Earth presentation of uh, so we could see that area around uh, the existing dwelling. Uh, would have made it pretty clear to me, you know, we could have talked about the topography of it, uh, but that doesn't, that's not available right now. Okay. Um, the, I guess that's a question for uh, the applicants. Uh, okay, I think, I think that's, I just had that comment. And uh, so I, I think we'll, we'll close this uh, section of, of the meeting and we'll go forward with uh, questions from the board or the applicants. I know we seem to ask a good question. Yeah, I just one. Um, could you confirm for me that this is stick built on the foundation? I can confirm that it uh, is on a complete caseine, uh, steel wall, concrete foundation. Actually, I apologize. That leads to another question, and that is um, when you built the structure as a bar, would you have done the same sort of foundation? Yes, I would have. Uh, it's not a full bar. A, a true stick built building foundation. So, all we did was leave the, the stall sections are no concrete, the dirt floors, and everything else is concrete. So, that's a common practice with storage and other things. All of this Gotcha. Okay. Any question? Joella, do you have any questions of the applicants? classify this as pure curiosity, but when you first built this structure as a barn, were you keeping animals in it, or was this strictly uh, storage of, of 
farm implements. I'm trying to envision what you used it for from 2006 on. Yeah, the, the barn does have stalls and it is used for animals, horses and animals. So it's still used today as a barn for animals. Is that it? Okay. Where's where is Nate? You have any questions, Nate? Um, I do not. Okay. Okay. If I could just I'm trying to understand, uh, Brian, your your questions. It was around the you know for dwelling, the five criteria: living, sleeping, eating, cooking, and sanitation. So I'm trying to understand the difference now following your line of discussion with the staff around the difference between living and sleeping, because I think you were making a distinction and I think you were not making a distinction. So now I'm I'm not clear on the dwelling definition based on our conversation. So living would be much like a living room as sleeping would be, permission for sleeping would be beds. So it's the, those criteria, those five, um, Components of the dwelling are permanent provisions for all those items. So if you got permanent provisions for sleeping, you've got a bed in there. Um, so again, these secondary dwelling units, one component of it is the physical makeup of the structure and those things. And then the other component is the actual use of it, of sleeping in there, occupying it overnight. That's the catch twenty two. Got a structure that's existing. They were going to take out of the definition of They could by eliminating one of the five aspects, but you would then require them to apply for. Plumbing, if you will. In that situation, they need a building permit because they're using it for cooking, which is not strictly ag. And so, therefore, the entire structure would have to get permitted. And if they remove one of those elements, say they remove the kitchen, we wouldn't be able to sign off a building permit without that plumbing agreement in place saying that it cannot be used as a habitable space or a dwelling or anything. No, like I understand that. what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, catch 22 in my mind is that even if they follow without the definition of dwelling unit, staff would say that they would be required Make application for use as a dwelling. No, no. It would be. It would have to get it a building permit for an accessory structure. Okay. So similar to a detached garage. So if, if we were starting over, we were building this. Yes. Then they would have to get a building permit, and that's one of the things that they would have to address. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, 
I have a, just a couple of clarifying questions. Okay. Um, just so we have it, I, I don't, it may be in here. You guys have done an excellent job of presentation. But what is the square footage of Warren? You mean the footprint? Yes. The footprint is 36 by 40. That's the stall. That's not the. Perfect. The upstairs is 20 by 40. Okay. I'm sorry, what did you say? The footprint of the upstairs is 20 by 40. 20 by 40, thank you. Okay. All right. Um, it, do you already, I assume you already have a road cut back to this? Yes. Because one of the staff comments was that another uh, additional road might be needed. I didn't want that to be yeah. misunderstood. That is correct. There is already a road there. Um, everything would remain as is, actually. There, there would be no additional impact to the property or the surrounding areas or anything. Okay, utilities are there, roads there, septic permits there. Is the septic is installed in accordance yes. with that yes. inspected? Yes, all happy. Okay. okay, the only thing that I, I wish that I had was that picture of the around the surrounding house. So I could visualize that a little bit better. Would the um, would the overview um, map that we have, if we brought well, that I back, I was looking for a close up. She's got a photo. There's some photos of page 18 um, of your staff packet, page 18 and 19, and then 20 are photos surrounding uh, the primary blocks. I mean, if, if, I mean, I'll try to do my best with the photos that you have and putting dogs to describe. I think the one area, Tegan, that you mentioned, you had a photo. Uh, you talked about the back of the residence. That is the septic field in the back. Uh, and that's also, at the end of that, it's the wetlands that goes back at Steer Creek, comes off of that uh, steep area. Um, so if you were to approach the cabin, what Tegan had mentioned to you is there is a flat space approaching the cabin, and that is. <laughs> The space in which the vehicles approach the cabin. To the to the left, to the right, as you view the cabin, left is very steep. Again, every contour line was 40 feet drop. And then to the right is very steep. Uh, behind it is wetlands and a septic field. Um, so when, when, if you approach a cabin, that's what you would find. We don't have any knowledge of the grade that we're talking about. No, again, as the analysis wasn't provided, we struggled to get a surveyor. There's no way the topo is detailed. What is what is that space to the northwest of the existing house? Is that where the town field is? It looks like the house. Yeah, northwest would be behind us. I think the septic field and then the wetlands where the uh, kind of where Deer Creek comes off of the, uh, the steep mountain behind us. That, that yeah. radius of that circle yeah. is 300 feet. 
That is correct. That dotted line is the 300 foot radius. Mm -hmm. uh, each of these yellow lines represent a 40 foot drop. So that's what I just kind of calculated between the top to the bottom. You cross over um, three solid contour uh, lines. But that's where the you can see the house is oriented uh, end to end uh, south yeah, so southwest to northeast. So specifically from the staff perspective, the most developable area is the area directly um, to the northwest of that existing house, There's, which is depicted in the photos on page. 19, there's a photo of it. Um, and that was the area that we thought was the pages. I mean, you can kind of see the road coming through 19. right here. Yeah. So on the side of this road is very steep. Um, and then this is steep going up. So that where that road terminates is your turnaround space? Correct. Okay. Oh, okay. And then on the other side, it's there we right on your septic system. Correct. Uh, does the board feel they have enough information uh, on the uh, property to uh, go forward? Yes. Joella? All right, just wanted to make sure of that. Uh, okay, if there's no, if there are no other, uh, no other questions, uh, we're gonna close up the public hearing at this point in time, uh, and we will go and uh, uh, discuss this uh, amongst the board. So how does everybody feel? You wanna express your feelings, Brian? Yeah, I wish there was something in particular. Yeah. About two things. One, them having not created the issue subsequently to the adoption of the zones report. And two, the 300 foot requirement, 300 foot radius. The fact that there's an existing structure there, that testers me. Whenever something comes up where there is an existing structure, I see arch. Do I see satisfaction of all the things that are necessary for us to grant a variance? As far as the um, 300 foot, so I'd like to see it would be nice if that was changed. Yeah, but it's not our. Yeah, I know. Do you have any uh, comments for the, for the board? Uh, you're on mute, Joella. 
right once. Sorry about that. This feels exactly like the last meeting that this board had and the last issue that we considered. The circumstances are a little different, but the issue is identical in my mind because the question that I asked at the last meeting, also in connection with a barn that could or could not be converted to a secondary dwelling unit, is that if we are concerned, if the whole point of many of these regulations is that we want to, to discourage or prevent sprawl, then there is absolutely no reason that I can think of in that case or in this one why this type of barn conversion should not be permitted. And yet we do not have the ability to do that. It's not something we can solve, but I, I really wish that the commission would take up at least the very narrow concept of what happens when you have a barn and you would like to make a dwelling unit within it. And what are the circumstances under which that can be allowed and not force the construction of an additional structure where none is really required. Uh, Nate, do you have any comments? Yeah, I, I, I echo Joella. Um, it's kind of a rock and a hard place. Um, I don't have any comments at this point in time. Thank you. Uh, from my standpoint, I have the same same issues. We're we're kind of tied up because we can't just make up verbiage to make the decision uh, to allow it to proceed. Uh, we're we're pretty much hamstrung. Uh, I think that this this is really something because it's going to happen more, and really something that the uh, the powers to be need to to revisit. Certainly, you don't want to have people putting things up willy nilly, but obviously this makes a bunch of sense. But I don't know that our board is the place that that can be changed. So, sorry. Okay, at this point, uh, I'll. Solicit a motion from the board. I'll move that we deny the applicant. What's that? Need findings? No, we don't need findings. It doesn't meet the criteria. There are findings for denial of this background. Yeah. On page 10. Oh, okay. Thank you. Do you refer to those? Into the discussion, I'll second the motion. You want to just you want to meet a reboot? No, just no, uh, just refer to just it. Refer to it. Okay, so um, I'll move that we deny the variance based on the findings of fact. Um, and it's listed one through five on page ten of the back. Thank you. We have we have a second, and so. The uh, the application is done. 
Sorry about that. Well, I'll just give feedback. One, I appreciate y'all's time. Uh, I will tell you, I've been going through this process. It is an impossible task the way the same instruction to meet the five criteria unless you are following the guidelines that's established, which is that's one of the variants. The variants come in and make a second case. There's no way you can do that. Right? It's it's a frustrating thing, and you won't point out exactly. Think about the two things we talked about tonight. Mm -hmm. So we will go cut down a bunch of trees. It's going to be a bigger parking lot, and it's not going to look as good as it does now. That's what we'll do. It'll take time and money. We're not worried about that, but it's not going to look as good. But we'll do it. I think that's what we'll go build another building. So it, it, it doesn't make sense for the county to take these kind of examples and feel good. So there's another point that I think that uh, I know this area, there's a lot of uh, people that Policing their neighbors, and that's okay. But I will tell you, I'm going to this. if my road is a county road, the neighbors can't shut my road. So the sign is coming down. And there's a lot of other signs that are going up on our property telling people where to ski and where to snowmobile and all these different things. And we've been great neighbors to our neighbors. Okay? We've tried very hard to. to be good neighbors and, and good people. We love the forest, we love this whole area. But it can't be one side. And so you can't close, you can't allow, the county can't allow my road to be closed now until we took eight months and that. So those are the things that are going to be reversed, I can tell you. And so get ready for some compliance because you'll be good. Because every time the sign goes up, it's coming down. And if anybody asks, I'm going to do it. So yeah. I, I, we so it's just I understand those positions, but I will tell you what's that? I suggest that we contact the forest service. We have, and they claim it's not their sign. <laughs> so we've talked to the county and the forest service, and they said, no, 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 not our sign. So it's not their sign. And it's if the it is their sign, the, the road is not an open road. It's the sign on the forest service. Probably. It is at the beginning where the where the road leaves the highway. It's a county sign. We showed a picture. And it claims the road is closed. So the road can't be closed and hold this to an 80 foot setback. It, it, one's got to get. And the people close it for their convenience. We've never complained. We are primarily right in the red spot where everybody knows. We've been friendly to anybody that comes to the property. We don't care. But you can't close the road down. So I can tell you right now the flat area that you see with the barn is going to become a parking lot for all of our friends. And I know they want to control all that. But I got a lot of friends that like to snowmobile. I'll move the barn and I'll road base the rest of it and I will have a parking lot, you know, that we can turn around in and, and just store our equipment right out there where we can use it. So you'll get complaints, but I guess it is what it is. I mean, your hands are tied. I, I get that. But our hands are somewhat tied also. Yeah. All right. I'm in the, I'm, I'm on your team. Um, where, where is the where do complaints come to try to get that regulation changed? How can that be? I mean, so it's specifically, specifically like the distances between the secondary yeah. plan. So currently, the county is updating its master plan, and some of those conversations are happening um, of whether or not the regulation is going to change to be more, um, you know. 
accepting the certificates of development that currently are not allowed. Um, so when we complete the master plan update process, which will be sometime this summer, that will begin an update to our regulations. And that's where the, the regulations is really where you see those numbers and those quantifiable allowed distances. So that's where we would see changes to that. That would be the process. I mean, well, any any member of the public is welcome to make comments to the county commissioners if they see regulations that they um, are unhappy about. And the, our planning commissioner, board of county commissioners, they're the ones who adopt uh, those regulations. And that's where we get our direction from. Unfortunately, so, the master plan is not where you no, no, that happens when they when they update the, yeah. the subdivision regulations. Yeah. So, so the, the, the regulations are what are used to implement the goals and policies of the master plan. So the master plan is this big arching 30,000 foot view of how the county wants to treat development. And then we take that and start to create the regulations to help enforce and implement the master plan. Gotcha. One other piece of information for everybody that's here, including you guys and we guys as well, is there is a, a survey online now for comments with respect to the master, the master. And uh, I comment with respect to the 80 foot radius per secondary dwellings. Yeah. I don't know why I got stuck in my head. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I suggest that you do the same. Yeah, I I plan to. If I really disagree with that particular one, I don't disagree with the meeting of areas, but they take they take the scepter out of our hands, really, to be able to. I mean. That's a slam dunk to me. A, no visibility. You know, I think that there should be some some criteria to it. You know, it's, right now it's just no. You know, and it's almost impossible to come up with a good argument. You know. Uh, well, when asked what is our ability to appeal, it is reviewed, right? So that's why we're here tonight. Through the enforcement process. Yes. So this is going through a plan for compliance. What are the steps they can take in order to try to keep those structures where they are as they are? Mm -hmm. This is one of the steps that they can take. Okay. Right. Well, I, I surely hope that uh, you can work that, work that out. One matter of business. Did we actually vote? No. no. So, okay. So, I, I need to call for a vote. Uh, it's the, uh, uh, it's, our motion has been seconded. Uh, uh, please vote. Nate. I okay, I from Nate. Joella? Hi. And I say Nate. Look for you. Well, good luck, you guys. I hope you get it. Thanks. Figured out.
Don, great job on chairing this meeting. It wasn't an easy one as usual. Okay. All right, Christy, we're ready. Okay. Um, so Tegan, um, do you have anything scheduled for April? I do not. I have, I have not received any new applications. Okay, because um, I know that there was one in the works. I just didn't know if it came in and you scheduled it. <clears throat> they have not submitted yet. Okay. Um, so... Um, like to announce sadly that this will more than likely be Tegan's last meeting with you all. She, uh, <laughs> she took a job with uh, the town of Hayden as the community development director and we're very excited for her. I'm gonna be sad to see her go, um, but uh, she's, been, she's done a great job of Board of Adjustment and she's gonna do a great job over in Hayden and we'll get to work with her a lot more closely, especially finishing up this uh, update to the master plan. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, with that, um, I believe um, you heard um, that Jeff did resign. Um, he had some, he had to get surgery last week and um, he was going to be out on medical leave for the next four months. So he wasn't going to be able to attend hearings regardless, um, coupled with um, him and his wife's plans to uh, retire and start traveling uh, this summer. So um, <clears throat> he wanted just to, for me to share um, his appreciation for you all and his time that he has served on Board of Adjustment. Um, with that, um, Don was vice chair and, um, you know, will <laughs> be chair moving forward, um, but we do need to um, elect a vice chair 
Um, some other changes that um, we do need to consider is that uh, with Jeff's um, resignation is that the commissioners um, will need to appoint either Joella or Nate um, to a permanent position. Um, so <clears throat> um, nothing is scheduled with them yet because we need to also advertise for, um, for we will have a vacancy. So it will be a vacancy as one of our alternates or our alternate two. So we're gonna advertise um, to get a new member on Board of Adjustment, along with our Planning Commission, there's a vacancy for the Town of Yampa um, position. So um, we are starting to advertise for that this week. If you do know anybody, um, please uh, send them my way. Um, and just looking to think, um, see, Brian, I appreciate you bringing up the survey. Um, good to hear you guys are getting um, those newsletters that are coming out and any notifications that we are sending out about the master plan update. Um, if you haven't taken that survey, we really encourage you to do so. It, it is a short survey, but it's really intended to get some implementation strategies um, that we do recognize um, need some focus and um, discussion around that. So we are going to be having further meetings with our technical advisory committee and through the community input um, for some of these implementation strategies. And one of those that did come up is considering um, adaptive reuse um, of structures on buildings. And this is what we are hearing from the community um, and just getting recommendations, like I said, from the community and from TAC for the planning commission and the board to consider any updates to the regulations after adoption of the um, master plan. So the implementation strategies will be more or less um, the second step of the master plan process. So after adoption, we would um, go through um, update of our regulations to make sure it aligns with what the master plan says and what is adopted. And that's where we get into, you know, the detail of what that actually looks like through the recommendations that we are getting through the master plan and ultimately what gets adopted. So um, we can continue to keep you apprised of what that looks like um, and also to get your input on, on some of those um, some of those concepts and recommendations that we are hearing. So apart from that, um, I don't know if you all, um, we have everybody here, if there was somebody, if you wanted to elect a vice chair or if you wanted to think about it and shoot me and Sarah an email, um, if you didn't wanna do a vote you know, in person, um, we could do it either way since we more than likely probably won't have a hearing next week. I think we've missed the deadline uh, for that if they didn't submit. I don't know if that's correct, um, Alan and Tegan. Yeah, okay. So Don, how would you like to proceed? Proceed. Would you convey to um, the drafters of the master plan the sense of this board that the 300 foot radius needs work. Absolutely. Especially, especially in light of um, the housing issues that we have in our capital. 
Absolutely, and I'm pleased to hear you also um, filled out the survey. So, um, or if you didn't yet, that at least you saw it and you intend to. So um, I'm happy to hear that as well. Thank you, Brian. You Anybody this, I'm sorry, Christy. Uh, how does the board feel about uh, nominating uh, a co-chair? I mean, it, it, it also, as a suggestion, it could be appropriate until we hear a recommendation by the Board of County Commissioners on um, Joella and Nate, um, who would be moving up um, if they were to be interested um, and part of that decision um, as a permanent member. Maybe we should hold off on it until we have a full board that we can uh, work with and then we'll work on the co-chair for the foreseeable future, other than April. <coughs> I shouldn't be missing any meetings, so it should be okay. And then um, I also communicated with Don about um, the status of um, uh, training. Um, some of you have been asking for training. Um, I know Planning Commission has as well, along with the Board of County Commissioners. And um, I had mentioned that DOLA was providing free training and we were coordinating with them this past fall, but they put it on hold because of the pandemic. Um, and then I reached out to them to follow up to see what the status was now that um, some of the restrictions are being lifted and they were informed that they still have their trainings on hold due to staffing issues, but um, that I would coordinate with them. It looks like we can get something scheduled for June-ish. So I will um, keep everybody posted on what that looks like. They will come to us, it will be in person um, and it will largely discuss, you know, the, the yearly Roberts rules um, and, and things like that. So I'll keep you apprised of um, when that will be scheduled, but just wanted to keep you in the know. Thank you. Any comments from the board about tonight's proceedings? Uh, none for me. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, all in favor of adjournment? Because we saw the same thing come up a second time and really reinforced to us what we need to send back to the commissioners and to and to the planners. I thought it, I thought it was a great meeting. It was a very difficult decision that we had to make, and we really didn't have a choice. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Stay well, well, everyone. All right. All in favor of uh, adjourning? Aye. 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 Okay. Elton? Can I ask a, a clarifying question? Yeah. If I own 100 acres 